Hello and welcome to another episode of the Craft Beer Talk Show. I'm your host, Matt Sausch. If you're new, thanks for tuning in. If you keep returning for more, welcome back. Uh, I appreciate it very much so. Of course, this is a show where we talk about craft beer, beer history here and there, and anything that comes to my mind. Uh, Labor Day weekend coming up here in Canada. A lovely long weekend to look forward to. Uh, Very excited to bounce around different places and, of course, always try new beer. Uh, The brewery I'm doing today has a very cool plan for the weekend, and I'll talk about exactly what that is uh, when we get to the brewery section of the episode. But first, I'm going to talk about something that I promised I would talk about last episode because I I never seem to follow through with it. And uh, that's bringing up or, or following up with what I talked about last week. So last week I mentioned um, it was a special weekend. I was going away to Kingston uh, in Ottawa. And I told uh, the listeners, keep an eye on the page for places and and beers that I'd be trying out. And shout out to uh, Brew North Podcast. Uh, They actually reached out to me um, and they they recommended uh, a few places uh, for me to try out in the Kingston area. Uh, they recommended to me a, a brewery called Stone City Ales. Um, they recommended it to me a little late, actually pretty much right after I had been at the brewery. But nonetheless, I appreciate ve- appreciate it very much. Um, so go check them out. I forgot to mention they also are a podcast uh, that talks about craft beer um, in the inter- uh, Ontario region. So definitely worth checking out if you like what I have to offer. Uh, I'm sure you'll you'll like them just as much. But as far as for my weekend goes, uh, I'll spare you the boring personal details. I haven't gotten too many requests for more uh, personal information, maybe other than from my friends. But uh, I'll just stick to the beer. Uh, Kingston was the first stop. Um, and in terms of the craft scene, it was probably the most admirable of the two. Solely because you can just see the love um, that these breweries get from restaurants um, and stores such as like the LCBO, bottle shops, whatever it may be. Um, I purchased some beers from Stone City Ale. Uh, I actually tried a beer of theirs that could be a contender for the Craft Beer Talk Show Introductory to Craft Beer Choice of the Year Award. Uh, it's called Realism Lager. It's, it's brand new, so they said. Um, I'll post about it on my story over the weekend so you can check that out. Um, but they were actually closed when I went by. They were just so nice enough to to still allow me to go up to their their window and get me some uh, some beers. But as for the restaurants go, uh, I sat in a few local small uh, like Ma and Pa type style restaurants, and the entirety of the beer menu, the beer list, was all local brewers. Um, and I really loved that. I really loved how such a small historic town um, could be so invested in its roots. And it's local businesses and, and help these guys out. Like I said on the last episode about the best place to, to buy your beer from. And realistically, it's the source, right from the brewer. So they get a lot of help from these restaurants. Uh, it's really awesome to see. As for Ottawa, a larger city of the two, um, I saw more or less the same thing. The only difference uh, is there's a lot more chain places that have deals with you know the major brands and major companies. So it's it's a bit harder for the small self-starters to get in. But I also found at all the pubs, 
um, and places I went to, they were knowledgeable, knowledgeable, uh, super enthusiastic. Every time I asked about the local taps, um, you know, so they're getting the same support. And Ottawa and Kingston really aren't that far from one another. So uh, you see a lot of the same people, the same brewers, maybe some exclusive breweries uh, in particular regions. But within that couple-hour driving distance, you know, there's a lot of love for the local businesses. So maybe you're asking why is it important to support these places. And, of course, there's the obvious uh, to put money back into your community. But mainly it's to help people like you and I who are investing uh, in the town or in the city they're in. And, and wanting to establish themselves in that area. You know, they want to be a part of the heritage uh, and the history of said place. And, and they can't do that if they don't get the support from the people. Again, you may ask, you know, why should that really matter to you? Well, the difference between an everyday person starting their business, uh, trying to grow in their town and a big corporation just rolling in, is that the corporation might not care about the heritage and the history and, and everything that's happened for the town to become what it is today. They may not care in making that community a better place. Of course, there's a lot of uh, initiatives started by big companies that do help people in need in, in those particular areas. But a lot of the times, it's about the bottom line. And you're not going to get an experience or a relationship out of these you know, large companies. Also, not to mention, what does it do for the economy? Investing your money um, into Dave and Susie's Brewery versus these internationally owned breweries. Right, So you might be supporting these big chains and that money is ultimately, of course, paying the salaries of the people that work there, but potentially going overseas where you could support Dave and Susie, where you know they're going to grow bigger and bigger and they're going to remember you. They're going to remember you as a returning customer and, and I really like that. But moving on uh, from the lecture part of, part of things, just to name some of the breweries um, of the beer that I had over the weekend. So I'll give them some spotlight. We've got Dominion City Brewing, Kitchissippi Brewing, the Napanee Beer Company, Prince Eddie's Brewing, Calabogie Brewing, Stone City Ales, which I, I mentioned before, and, and finally, the McKinnon Brothers Brewing, which will be the beer and brewery we'll be discussing today. Actually, not even one beer, but, but three. Three different ales. I put a poll on Instagram. Um, about the three beers and had people decide whether I try one um, or if I do all three. Ultimately, three were chosen, so that's what we'll do. Uh, I'll get to what they are in a moment. And just before I get into the history and breakdown of the McKinnon Brothers like we usually do in the show, uh, I wanted to kind of share my connection. So my uncle and aunt were, I believe, I think neighbors with them or something along the lines of that. They honestly might have even just discovered this place and I'm totally remembering this wrong, but I think they were neighbors, and that's kind of how they got to know them pretty well. But they had always told me about them nonetheless and, and how great of people they are. Uh, if you saw my story, uh, I was wearing a McKinnon Brothers shirt. My uncle and aunt actually got me that shirt. Um, and then fast forward some odd years, boom, I'm talking about them on my podcast. So pretty cool. That's how I got to know them. And when I started jumping into this craft beer scene, they really are, in my opinion, the epitome that of everything craft beer has to represent. So located in Bath, Ontario, a town just outside of Kingston, hence the relevance of this brewery and, and the contents of this episode and the last episode, um, there's a farm. And this farm belongs to the McKinnon brothers, uh, Ivan and Daniel. Uh, the farm has been in the family since 1784. 
their ancestors were loyalists from the American Revolution um, and were one of the first settlers on the land. So through generations, the, the farm was thriving. Fast forward a century or two, uh, and the farm lands in the hands of Ivan and Daniel. So Ivan McKinnon is a licensed engineer. Uh, he's got project management, food processing, and, and automation experience. Um, and he's gained that at numerous uh, manufacturing facilities across North America. And Daniel McKinnon, on the other hand, has a master's degree in brewing and distilling from the uh, Herlow-Watt University in Edinburgh and extensive experiences uh, at the brewing research firm BRI in London, England. So the two of them together thought to bring a new spin to the farm, something that adds their own personal touch. Uh, and with the coincidence of owning a barley farm, they decided, why not start our own brewery? Which then came along, McKinnon Brothers Brewing. So it makes a lot of sense with their backgrounds, kind of two things that are, are pretty key in, in starting a business, knowing how to brew beer and then how to operate all the equipment. So with the addition of uh, a few more people that they brought in to help build a um, better facility for all their equipment, um, so on and so forth, the McKinnon brothers were ready to take off full-fledged. They set out on one mission, and that was to create a beer using 100% estate-grown ingredients. Uh, the ingredients they grow on their farm were to be used in this beer. Of course, this didn't happen right away, but over time, once they had a good enough crop and their hops finally started to grow, because it takes about three years for your hops to finally start producing quality product, uh, they were finally able to brew a beer 100% estate-grown. And that is one of the beers we'll be trying today, so that's very exciting. We'll do that one last. Um, I recommend, I'll put it in the description of this episode, to go and check out their website. They like As soon as on the, the front page, they've got this nice, I think it's maybe like 10 minutes, maybe 10, 12 minutes. Um, it's kind of like a documentary explaining their upbringing, uh, how they started the brewery, how things operate there, who's involved, and it's really cool to see. It's really well done, and their their website is is really well laid out. Um, they tell you everything about each one of their beers. Uh, there's more uh, information. That's where I pulled this stuff from about Ivan and Daniel. Um, you'll get to see the photos of the farm, um, of their their hot plants. Um, and it's really cool to see. So the other really cool thing about these guys is they love community involvement uh, and supporting other artists and or uh, businesses around them. They know the importance of working together and supporting one another. So they seem to always be humble and helpful when it comes to other people's passions. And that's that's basically everything that I always am preaching on here. So, for example, there's a, a yearly event called Back at the Farm where local bands come out and they play and food vendors, you name it. They're all at this this one big festival. Um, I've never been, but from what I've seen, it looks amazing. And it's it's something that I would definitely want to put like almost on my, my beer bucket list, um, which brings us back to what I said earlier about uh, Labor Day weekend. Well, they're basically doing something uh, along the lines of that over the three days off. Each night, there's a different band. Uh, I believe the event is is catered by uh, a place called Old Style Barbecue, and of course they serve 
their wonderful beers out of their barn. So that pretty much sums up everything about the McKinnon brothers, of course, in a nutshell. If you want to know more in depth, and I think you really should do do the research and, and, and learn more about them, go to their website. And I'm sure there's other articles you can read online uh, that I didn't happen to, to look at. But also go to their Instagram page. All that stuff is, is always in um, the description for the episode. I'll make sure to post that along with all the other breweries I named. But make sure you check out McKinnon Brothers um, because it's uh, it's very, very cool. So with that being said, let's get in to today's beer lineup. So three beers, uh, like I mentioned. So the first one we'll be doing is Eight Man English Pale Ale. So this beer I had tried back in the day, kind of even before I knew the connection with my uncle and aunt and the McKinnon Brothers thing. But I didn't really pay too much attention to it. I didn't know the whole backstory. Um, and I think that's something that I recommend everyone do is behind every craft beer or it, like individual brew, there is usually a story, whether it be the name of the beer, um, the label, the, 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 why they brew this specific type. Um, do your due diligence, check it out. So this is eight man English pale ale. It's a traditional English pale ale. Um, they named it after arguably the toughest position in rugby. Hey, man, I'm not too familiar with rugby. I know a guy who's who's really into that, so maybe I'll, I'll recommend this this uh, beer to him. But eight-man English Pale Ale. It's got 25 IBUs, sitting at 5.8 uh, alcohol. Uh, bitter, hoppy, lingering taste, says the tasting notes on here. I mean, it's pretty great. If you want to crack open the beer, then go on the website. It tells you everything about it. That's basically what I'll be doing. Uh, today as we go through the beers and see if I can taste the the, the what they're describing. So after that, we're going to do cross-cut Canadian ale. Um, this one I just recently had. So this one, uh, I actually got it to do on the show, but I had gotten it before I went to Kingston. And then at one of these local pubs, I I got the, the draft version of cross-cut. So I kind of almost cheated in a sense, but I know it's good, so I know that uh, it will not disappoint um, on the show. But uh, it literally says here, designed for Canadian drinkers. So my Canadian listeners, you better go out and purchase this beer. Um, It says, their resurrection of a traditional Canadian recipe. I actually talked about this beer in that little poll, just mentioned it's Canadian ale, and I I got someone uh, asked me, why is it called Canadian ale? You know, you got American pale ale. They said Canadian pale ale. Um, it it isn't a pale ale. Um, it's just a regular ale. So that would mean, um, well, they are in the description here. They are using some pale malts uh, and Canadian two row. So arguably, yes, it, it could be a pale ale. Um, but it's not that hoppy to be a pale ale. It's only 16 IBUs. But in terms of it being a Canadian pale ale or Canadian ale. Really, the only thing that has to do with anything is that it was brewed in Canada. Um, a regional thing. There really is, you know, no difference. Some might say, oh, it's since it's Canadian, it'll be higher in, in alcohol percentage because there's that whole debate, um, the Canadian beer versus American beer. But 16 IBUs, like I said, 5.2. It's a golden ale is what they call it. A crisp initial taste with a smooth, refreshing finish. Like I said, I've had it. We'll get to it. We'll talk more in depth about it. And lastly, the Harvest Ale. 
The beer, this beer is brewed with a focus on the barley harvest, resulting in a profile that is influenced by each growing season on our farm. So this is the beer that is 100% estate-grown um, hops, the, the malts, everything. Uh, it's done right on site, uh, sitting at 15 IBUs, 5% flat um, estate-grown beer. And I'm really excited for this. I think it's going to have... A real good chance, not only just because of its backstory and kind of, you know, the whole we grew everything on our farm and then put it into our beer, but I think it's going to be a nice, clean, crisp beer that's going to be a really good contender for the Craft Beer Talk Show Introduction to Craft Beer Choice of the Year Award. So high hopes for that. Um, but as I usually do, I am going to pour these beers now off mic. And when I come back on, we will be tasting. Okay, so the first pint is poured. That is the eight-man English Pale Ale. Uh, It has this nice orangey, kind of ambery color to it. Um, Very nice pint to look at. Actually, all of the beers are kind of within, other than the Harvest Ale, since they're all poured, I can see them side by side. They all are kind of within the same sort of realm um, of color, not too much uh, off from one another. So I'm going to give this a smell here. So from the first smell, I can actually smell a lot of fruit. Um, I don't find it overbearingly hoppy. I mean, 25 IBUs isn't really that hoppy. So I find this, uh, I think it's going to be an easy drinking beer, Um, not something that's going to punch you in the face with bitterness. But um, the lingering kind of taste is what I'm excited for. Usually in an IPA or pale ale, I love that taste of of hops that just sits on your tongue. Um, So let's give it a sip. Okay, wow. Very tasty. I almost taste like... I can taste a lot of malt um, in this beer. Which, which I don't hate. I don't find it crazy bitter. I am 100% getting that that lingering taste, which I love. So hats off to that. The fruit portion, I almost can smell more than I can taste. Um, but the malt profile really complements this beer nicely. Like it's well-crafted. It's simple. Honestly, even, even this beer itself, I think it is kind of maybe a little bit too hoppy a little bit too bitter for the craft beer talk show introduction to craft beer choice of the year award but i would recommend this to somebody who you know isn't really all that crazy about beer or maybe is ready to take the next step this would be a great next step beer um so i really love that even in their the little description of the um beer here on their website they they use local chinook hops and and cascade aroma hops so again they stick to the local uh i don't find it too boozy even though it is a 5.8 percent but that's really not all that bad Uh, i'm going to give it one last final taste here for uh we move on to the next one okay it is. It is have a, a nice complexity to it, and I, and I'm reading here. It's their most expensive 
uh, beer to produce. Now, I'm actually not too sure in terms of like each solo can what the the price difference or if they're all just the same price. I would imagine if it's their most expensive, uh, Eight Man is probably the most expensive beer um, that they sell. But I, I can definitely really taste uh, the ingredients and, and all of these um, combination of techniques that, that go into this beer. Uh, and it really, really pays off. I think it's nice. It's, it's simple. It's nothing out of this world. But that's what I like most about craft beer is you, you can get these clean cut, like properly done beers. Um, but you get to buy them from... Uh, great guys such as the McKinnon brothers. So let's move on to the next one. So the next one here is Crosscut Canadian Ale. So I think it's a little bit lighter, almost kind of the same color as uh, the Eight Man. Um, like I said, designed for Canadian drinkers. It's on the lighter side, but it's actually still heavier than the Harvest. The Harvest at five percent. The eight man that we just did was 5.2, and this, or sorry, 5.8, and this is 5.2. Now it's funny because I'm actually going in reverse, um, you know, from the heaviest alcohol to the lightest alcohol. Maybe that's a good thing for the show. Uh, so I'm gonna give it a smell here. Mmm, it has it has like a sweet kind of grassy wheat. Um, smell to it. It smells like a, a farm beer, essentially, is a way that you can describe it. It's got, it's as if you were driving by a wheat field or a grain field and you kind of can stick your head out the window like a dog and, and smell that sweet product. Um, I'm going to give it another smell to see what else I can pick up. Like, pretty straightforward golden ale. Um, they do compare it to a the, the, the commercial loggers here in the description, which I do like because I always am doing that comparison. Me and the McKinnon brothers are really on the same page right now. So it says still darker and more complex um, than commercial loggers, but it is on the lighter side of the color spectrum, which is a nice orange, nice amber. Um, definitely much darker than your, your standard commercial beer. So let's give it a sip. Okay. Yeah, nice. I mean, like I said, I, I had this beer um, from Draft up in Kingston. So I really like this beer a lot. I think this is a beer you could crush this beer for sure. Uh, I'm really interested in the next one. Um, but in terms of how I said the next one potentially could be up for the award, I think this one uh, goes hand in hand with it. Only 16 IBUs. That's, that's nothing crazy whatsoever. Um, it is just really nice. It's really straightforward. It's got a very refreshing finish. It doesn't have um, that bitterness that the A-Man has. It's very lightly hopped. And it just has this sweetness about it that uh, you can definitely get. It says they use uh, a portion of wheat from their family farm. Uh, again, I think these two beers aren't 100% estate grown. So they probably do um, get some different malts from different places. Uh, I'm sure all all local places, whereas the next one is the 100% estate grown. Um, I'm going to give it one last sip, and then we will move on to the finale, the Harvest Ale. Mm. Okay. 
Yeah, very good. I almost think I do like, like now that I've had them side by side, I think I do kind of like the eight man better than the cross cut. Uh, just because I, I do like the, the complexities that that go in uh, to the eight man. But the cross cut is definitely also a good beer. Uh, right now, both have great scores. So let's move on to the Harvest Ale. So the Harvest Ale, the 100% estate-grown beer. Sorry if I had a pause. That power just went out. Luckily, nothing's plugged in right now other than it's a USB mic. The power completely just went out. Now I'm kind of spooked out giving this this uh, this last beer here. So I might be a little bit shaky. Uh, the Harvest Ale, 15 IBUs, 5%. Let's give it the smell. So right off the bat, I get very grainy, very grassy. Uh, I love that. To me, that's that's fresh. That signs of freshness. That signs of they worked on the farm all day long, harvesting their crop, put it into this beer. I don't know if this is going to be seasonal uh, or not. And I think in the video when they talked about their 100% estate-grown beer, they never actually listed the name like in that little documentary at the beginning and um, calling it Harvest Ale. They said it was similar to an Oktoberfest, um, and in an Oktoberfest, we know that it's it's 100% Munich malt, and in this beer, it's 100% uh, Munich malt. So I think this must be the beer. So it, it, funny enough, I mentioned how I wanted to start doing, uh, since it is the cooler weather's coming and it's uh, the fall time around the corner, I wanted to do you know the pumpkin beers, the Oktoberfest. So arguably, this potentially is the first one. Uh, without calling it an Oktoberfest beer. So let's give it a taste. Now, here's one thing I'll definitely say. When I I talk about, you know, this beer and I almost I amp myself up, right, for the backstory, this and that, and then the actual taste of the beer. I'm I'm very impressed. I actually really like this beer. I think it's unique. Um, it actually gave me almost a different taste than what I was expecting. I wasn't necessarily expecting it to, to have this almost like roasty, kind of toasty taste to it. I was expecting it to be almost really light. Um, it is 15 IBUs, 5%, but then when I poured it, I was kind of shocked. It's this bright yellow can, but it's got this dark color to it. So it really kind of threw me for a loop there. So then when I tasted it, I was still thinking about the yellow can and thinking it was going to be on the lighter side of things, but it's actually, um, pretty malty. Uh, it's, it's sweet, but, uh, it's got this. This kind of almost not a thickness to it, but it's like it's really rich. So I'm gonna give it another another taste. It almost it almost smells like like almost like I, weirdly enough like baked bread in a way. Like that's what it smells like. Like I don't know if you guys have ever baked bread before, but that's next time I'm baking bread. This is the beer I'm gonna be picking. Wow. Wow. So now that I've been able to taste it, 
And it almost has this this kind of lingering bitterness. It's not necessarily hoppy because it's only 59 IBUs, but it does have this little bit of a um, lingerness to it. And I think just the whole idea honestly makes it you taste even better because you, you just know you're tasting something that's a completely fresh product. All right, so now that they have all been tasted, um, it's you know what's up next. It's score time. Uh, we'll start off, I guess, with um, the maybe the lowest to highest score. I guess we'll do it that way rather than going in the order that I tasted them. So 7.9 goes to uh, the cross cut. And I gave it this score because it's, it's you know, 7.9 is almost on the higher end of average. And I think that it's a good standard ale. Um, but it does have these nice tones to it. Beautiful color. Uh, a great smelling beer that I, I do really like it. So I gave it a few extra points for that. Um, plus, I love their whole story, so everything gets everything gets bonus points, right? Having a cool having a cool background story, which like most craft breweries do, uh, everyone always gets bonus points. So coming up next, I went eight point four for the Harvest Ale here. So that was the last one, the hundred percent estate grown eight point four, uh, really nice beer. Uh, I love that it has that bready aroma. That's really cool. Um, it threw me for a loop. You guys heard it. It, it kind of shocked me because I thought that it was going to be lighter. But it's beautiful. If you're looking for something come the fall, um, this beer is definitely worth checking out. I definitely get the whole Oktoberfest style. Um, definitely get that out because it has that roasty, toasty kind of um, sense about it. So moving on with finally 8.7 uh, for the 8-Man Pale Ale. What can I say? I'm a sucker for for a good pale ale. Um, I don't know. This might be the highest rate. I'll have to go back into my archives. Something I will do is is post all of the beers that I've done on the show up to the States for episode 14. Um, you know, 15 next episode. You know, that's, that's, uh, that's a lot of beers that we've tried. We did five beers on one episode. Now we've done three beers on this. So I'll definitely have to release all the scores. And then even break them down by style uh, and see. Because I know I've done, obviously, a lot of Pilsners, IPAs. Of course, I've done a, a, a ton of. But, um, I mean, I don't know if Canadian Ale will stand out in its own. But maybe if so, then it, it is the winner at uh, 70.9. Because I don't think I've done another Canadian Ale. Other than that, um, check these guys out. Like I said, super cool stuff. Go to their website. I can actually tell you what their website is right now. Uh, McKinnon, M-A-C-K-I-N-N-O-N, brewing.com. That's McKinnonBrewing.com. Check it out. They also have really, really cool merchandise. Their glassware um, is all top-notch. They've got a whole bunch of stuff like that. But I think the apparel, uh, it's always cool to me. when you obviously I'm wearing a t-shirt here so you've seen that one if you follow me on Instagram which you should the craft beer talk show Um, but they also got like cool things such as the uh, rugby jerseys to go along with their eight man here Um, they've got hockey jerseys they've got basketball jerseys bunch of cool hats hoodies uh, you name it a whole bunch of cool stuff Um, check them out from mckinnonbrewing.com other than that uh, I mentioned again Craft Bear Talk Show. Go follow me on Instagram. And until next time, cheers.